Well, 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 look who's back. Yeah, the German douchebag is back again. For the second time now. In such a short uh, amount of time. Right, yeah. Um, I decided to do another podcast to get back here. Just, first of all, to... um, uh, to apologize for something that I would, would like to clarify first, uh, first of all, before I do anything else. Um, the original title of Ghostbusters Afterlife is Afterlife, and I said it's Ghostbusters Legacy, because it's running under that title in Germany, and I don't know why. I'm not sure how many countries are carrying that title. I don't really care much. I just, um, as long as we're talking about the same movie, it's fine. Um... I don't care if it's Legacy or or Afterlife, pretty much, uh, I don't care really. I think Legacy works quite well with uh, the story about Egon Spangler in that movie. But that's just me talking, so it doesn't really matter. The other thing I'd like to uh, correct is my statement by saying that Harold Ramis uh, created the movie or wrote the script by himself. And I know he he co-wrote that script and that the original idea was from Dan Aykroyd. But um, Dan Aykroyd would have never been able, I think, to pull off the same movie without Harold Ramis um, in any shape or form and without letting him rewrite the script to make it uh, what it is today and, and, and also part two. Without his influence, all the, the, the logic in the movie and, and I think the pacing would have been a bit different as well. Um, I know that Dan Eckert initially wanted his friend John Belushi to be in the film. The first draft was written for him. And according to Ivan Reitman, also for John Candy, who was supposed to play Louis Tully. And John Candy, um, I think he spoke to Ivan Reitman and, and, and uh, he brought an example of some guy living in that building with Dana Barrett and speaking a German accent, and nobody really knew why. That was just John Candy's idea, and Ivan Reitman immediately backed away from that, maybe because he's Jewish and he thought, German, uh, fuck no. (laughs) No fucking way. And uh, he wanted to keep it just New Yorkan, okay? We're living in New York, we have New York people, let's make it about New York. So I think John Candy in the end backed away from that, from that film, and thankfully we got Rick Moranis. Now, don't get me wrong, I loved John Candy. One of my favorite films is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles with Steve Martin. And to me, I just recently rewatched this film when I was, uh, you know, pulling down my screen, my projection screen, and I just popped in my uh, Blu ray player of the, the old film again to see how it looks like on a big screen, because I never watched it in theater, so at least I can pretend at home, in my bed, that I'm watching movies like that. In case that you haven't heard one of my previous podcasts and you're listening to me for the first time, um, my name is Dean Laxer, I am completely insane, (laughs) and I I work as a freelance artist. Uh, I I have a day job in a logistic company uh, for over 10 years now. I did all sorts of chores. In my lifetime, I also worked as a projectionist in a theater once for a year, maybe a bit longer. I'm not quite sure. I do remember a lot of things there. I had to, you know, I played movies. 
the old-fashioned way with a projector that needed 35 millimeter film. And I was uh, those guys, um, you know, receiving via mail uh, and, and individual secure transportation of a movie where you get all these reels and you had to, you know, carry them up or down, depending where your projection booth was, and prepare the reels, glue them all together in 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 such an order that it would make sense. You cannot mix up the reels, obviously, you know, logically. And I did some mistakes sometimes. We actually had to stop a movie from, from running because <laughs> I, I accidentally switched the film and put it upside down. And that was that was embarrassing. It's because sometimes the reels, you know, when the, when they get repackaged and you don't really recognize what is what, where's start, where's finish, you can hold it up in, in, in the light to see the frames and then try to determine if this is the actual uh, beginning or the end of the film. You don't know sometimes because the, the material is always so dark throughout minutes and minutes and minutes of, of film material. I mean, you don't have the time to just... <laughs> you know, flick through all these frames. You can't do that. I had to get finished. So, you know, I had to prepare a couple of movies. And one of these movies was The Road with the Viggo Mortensen, that uh, post-apocalyptic uh, post movie. There you go. About, um, you know, nuclear winter, fallout, Third World War. A lot of people dead, and those who are still alive behave like savages, like in, in The Walking Dead, so to speak. And it's a brilliant film. I love that movie. It's very depressing. <laughs> and somewhere in that movie, while it was playing, and I had to prepare that one, Jesus, I made a huge mistake. People got pissed and left the theater because uh, the person uh, in charge of playing the movie it took the uh, the finished complete glued and stuck stuck together reel that I made uh, and, and had to stop I think after one and a half hours so the people came back next night for free and could watch the rest of the film the conclusion and all that so that was that's a bit disappointing it happens sometimes it happened to me I think in, in that fashion only once thankfully but other, otherwise it's it's a cool thing to do or have the kind of job like that where you just can watch movies for free or you have to watch them in order to maintain quality and sharpness of the image and you know checking the sound if everything is working fine um i didn't like that job very much though in the beginning it was cool because i could see movies for free most movies were crap but um what i didn't like about it was i couldn't really use the time wisely for something better let's say um reading a book or drawing and stuff like that and i always had a drawing pad with me, uh, some paper and all that, because, you know, back then I didn't really have the money for sophisticated computer equipment to carry with me and all that. So I had a gigantic bag with me with A3 paper, and, and I was, back in the day, I was trying to draw a, a manga-type story, which I had to stop because nobody wanted to print it. <laughs> I sent it to publishers. Publishers said, yeah, well, we get material like this all the time, you know, it's like, it's nothing special, I'm sorry. So I decided to stop and never continue the storyline and maybe do something else with that. I have to admit, though, it's not really good. Looking looking back after all these years and all the practice I put into that and all the drawings, I am proud of some of these pages and some of the essence of the, of, of the story that I did, but I stopped after um, 
second or, or third chapter and just thought, you know, this this is not going to work out. I I think I am a good storyteller. I can write good stories, I think, which is why I do on the side these uh, studies for, for an online university to become an author, to combine comic book storytelling, maybe illustrations, with traditional writing and trying to create something for myself there. If that works out, um, I would hit jackpot, I guess, because I never had a life where I could just live from my artwork and everything else gets sold rather poorly, to be honest, which is why I still need my day job. And also one of the reasons why I'm single. <laughs> and we talked about that before, didn't we? Anyway, I went off track here. Um, um, I am... The reason why I wanted to do the second podcast here about the Ghostbusters uh, topic is it's very close to Halloween, and I won't be here on Halloween. I have um, I'm staying overnight at a, at a friend's place. We're playing on uh, we're doing something like a, a network party, a LAN party with our computers and playing some games. You know, like the good old days when we were all nerds and didn't know what else to do in our free times. We played like there was no tomorrow. And through my day job, I met two guys who were also just um, not diehard gamers, but, you know, casual gamers, really. They don't play professionally, and why would they, really? We all, we all have a job and a life somehow, somewhere down the line. They just give me shit sometimes for being still single while both of them are married. You know, go fuck yourself. What, what the hell's the matter with you people? Leave me alone. I don't want kids. No. I had that topic before. Uh, no. I know for a fact I'm going to die of, of maybe, maybe old age, if anything at all. And I will die alone. That is a fact. I am a lone wolf. I always was one. And uh, I'm going to stay one. That reminds me there is a topic out there that people seem to be bugged out about. Um, we know what an alpha male is, we know what a beta male is, and there is this this infamous description of a sigma male, which is supposed to be a lone wolf, somebody who doesn't give a fuck about anyone. And people are being a bit outraged by this, and I'm sometimes asking myself why, because, you know, it's, it's, not, it's nothing new. And I wanted to make a podcast about sigma, how, you know, the good and the bad of, of, of all of this, because I am something or someone that it would fit into this category of being Sigma, because I am, uh, I don't know, I've, I've always felt to be quite alone. I, a, a relationship never really made me happy and never gave me happiness. Now, we can argue this in all sorts of directions, and no matter how you, you want to you wanna put this, um, Maybe I have never found Mrs. Wright. That's an argument that could be thrown in the air. Maybe it's going to stick at a wall. And uh, maybe that is a possibility. I don't know. I just know for myself that whatever it was that I was looking for, what I was hunting and craving for, never made me happy. So that was a waste of time and energy. Now that I'm alone for several years now... Um, I can finally be myself and just focus on stuff that is more important to me personally, which is why I do all of this. The studying, the drawing, uh, the storytelling, the, um, well, at least preparing myself for something. And I have no idea what it is, you know, but I have 
a path that I'm walking on. I have a goal that I'm interested in to achieve. I'm not sure if I can achieve it, but whatever obstacle is in my way, I'm sure I can deal with it somehow. And um, just to give you an example of, of how, <laughs> how my life actually looks like, I do not celebrate Christmas. I don't even celebrate my birthday anymore. I don't celebrate anything with the exception of maybe Halloween sometimes because there is no value in it for me. I'm not really emotional, uh, emotionally connected to any of these days. If anything at all, I am connected to Halloween because that was the, the, the most moving time for me when I was a kid, even more so than Christmas. And uh, since I'm not really a religious person, yeah, I am just my own God. I can do whatever I please. And I am fine with that. It does get a little bit lonely sometimes. But, you know, the isolation is something that I've always been seeking uh, over the course of my life. The problem is just I bump always into people who like me. They want to spend time with me. And at first I like it. Then it becomes annoying because it's too much. It's not really who I am. So I, I back away. I just go back into my cave. You know, that's that's just uh, the way I am. I'm, I don't feel any sense of pride really for it, nor... I'd like to explain it sometimes, but I, I sometimes don't really know where to start because this description of Sigma male fits to me personally the best. But I don't think we need the Sigma stuff at all in society. The only thing we need is maybe to get people more aware of this kind of lifestyle and mindset that first of all it's nothing new okay it's not really anything substantial where people go berserk and think oh my god we have a new movement here uh, no it's not it's just people who don't give a fuck that's all it really is they just want to be alone and do their thing that's what sigma is and should be so if you meet somebody who could be that and could be you know described as potentially a sigma male or female for that matter um fine it's okay let them be what could possibly happen? They run around amok and kill people? Come on. That's another story that's going to come up in the next podcast. Um, what I wanted to say, look, I'm rambling too much. I'm sorry. What I wanted to say is that the, the reason why I wanted to do this podcast tonight, uh, I am stepped back from a few of my drawings. I made some small uh, illustrations for a customer. Um, I'm halfway through and I needed a break really. I just wanted to do something else. And uh, instead of, you know, wasting my time with games or another movie or stuff like that, um, with the exception of Ghostbusters, because that's never a waste of time. <laughs> but uh, I just, I wanted to talk, uh, let some stuff off my chest, you know, and just harass you, the, the, the listener. And for some reason, I don't feel all that well today. I've been outside, you know, I took my bicycle outside. It's really cold outside, but it was tucked in quite nicely. I had warm clothes on, um, a baseball cap, music in my ears, and I just uh, drove around the block for an hour through the woods and then came back here. In case you don't really know what my life looks like, I live in Germany. I, um, I live in, in the Bavarian woods, um, far out back in God knows where. I'm really at the, the asshole on the earth, you could say. That's a phrase that Germans like to say. Um, it's, um, I like this place, 
But I know that I will move someday and go to a different location, probably, or <clears throat> find a new uh, apartment, I guess, something maybe bigger, you know, a separate room, maybe a recording booth or something like that. That could work out nicely. But uh, afterwards, when I came back home, I don't know, I felt pretty, pretty awful somehow. I don't feel like I'm getting sick or anything. It's just, I have this feeling in my chest that something is not right. You know, it's hard to explain. I don't know where this comes from. It could also be some kind of anxiety that's trying to kick my ass tonight. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, so I thought, yeah, sit, sit down in front of your trusty MacBook <laughs> and the old Yeti microphone and just uh, scream and shout about the Ghostbusters. I made a cup of tea in the background, uh, something that might help my voice tonight. I am starting to get a bit sleepy here, so um, bear with me in case I talk really slow and don't really know where the fuck I am or what it is that I'm, that I'm talking about. Um, the one issue that I wanted to to uh, talk about before I go into more detail about the real Ghostbusters, for example, because the cartoon is really close to my heart, I have the DVD collection and I pop it in from time to time and... What I haven't done yet is watch them on my own personal big screen. Because um, in case you've never listened to my podcast, I have no TV set. Nothing. I watch movies sometimes in front of my laptop or computer if I feel like it. But mostly since um, just recently I invested some money in, uh, in a projector from ViewSonic, uh, which is a full HD projector and not uh, 4K or anything like that, no pixel shifting technology. It's a native full HD, which is enough for me personally, because I love what the Blu-ray brought with the 1080p resolution. I'm completely satisfied with that. 4K looks awesome sometimes, not all the time, and it's suffice for me really. I, it's okay if you want to go bigger, higher, more, more pixels, and all that. It's, I, I understand. I'm a technology enthusiast myself, but I cannot, for the life of me. Uh, convince myself to afford that kind of money and just invest in something that um, is maybe a bit too pricey for me personally at this point. So, you know, full HD is just perfectly fine. And besides, I like to watch classic movies. And I think in full HD, they look as they were intended. You know, you get, you get the best out of a 35 millimeter film. Uh, you, you can get more out of a 35 millimeter film for sure. You know, not even to speak of 75 millimeter, but, or what, 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 what was it? 35? 35 I know exists, and there's 60 millimeter, eight, of course, you know, the, the, the older standard back then. And I think it was 70 millimeter film, right? Star Trek II was, was, I think, even filmed in 70 millimeter, if I'm not mistaken. Man, imagine the detail that you can capture with a camera like that. Fascinating. Just because it's analog doesn't mean it's bad. Hmm. Well, where was I? I'm 20 minutes in. I'm just rambling about all kinds of bullshit. Um, what's annoying for me personally now that you know we're very close to um, to seeing, witnessing finally the latest third Ghostbusters installment is. The lack of understanding from 
the uh, 2016 fans, the ones who wanted the, the all-feminist movie version and all that. And I remember YouTubers being completely upset about it, especially diehard fans, you know, um, very disappointed with the movie. And I understand why. And I don't want to talk about, you know, how necessarily or unnecessarily bad that movie has become. That's not the point. The point is what people are trying to to pull off here by, you know, playing the cash cow and producing a movie that some idiot director, I'm sorry, I can't say it other, any other way. Of course I'm talking about Paul Feig. You know, he, he um, it, it wasn't really necessary to make a movie like that. I mean, seriously, what what's the point? Okay, the point is always money in the end. We all know that. So he made a version of all female because right now that topic is hot. It was hot in 2016. It was hot before that. It's even hotter now with all the, you know, the agenda, the diversity stuff. They're trying too hard to create movies that we already had before, but in a much better quality and much more realistic than what they're putting out now and, you know, trying to force you to like this stuff, even though the quality of the movies are bad, like, you know, Brie Larson and Captain Marvel. That's just, I'm sorry, that's not a movie for me. If you want to do it right, then look at what you've done before. Look at all the other movies. And if it has to be female, I have nothing against that. Sarah Connor, the original Sarah Connor, okay, played by um, Linda Hamilton, uh, that is that is one hell of a badass character. She is superb badass in Terminator 1 and even more so in Terminator 2. I mean, that's legendary, that performance. What she did there is just incredible, okay? We have her, we have Sigourney Weaver, okay? And, and she played one of the most badass, if not maybe the queen of badassery here, on the silver screen when she played um, Ripley from, from the Alien movies. I have never seen anyone portray it like she did. It was amazing, you know. Even Chuck Norris would, would blush if he would look at her performance and what she did. That's a really original, legit, strong woman, okay? Not the bullshit they show off today. Not this kind of crap. And... It was normal back then. People were satisfied by it. They were fine with it, and nobody was talking about it. Not not the way they do it now, of course. You know, and then you have like these these reboots, like the Ghostbusters movie, and it has to be an all female cast. Okay, fine, but the way they did it and the way it was presented with the forced humor, um, for many people, the movie was not funny. The dialogues were crap. Um, what can I say? It's it's not a very well done film, not by any stretch of the imagination. And I think um, we have to suffer through these times, you know. And what, what I don't understand really is that the people who are really not being objective enough about this so-called diversity movement, and you know, more more equality for everyone. That is fine. The problem is that we really do not act anymore as if these things had even a chance to exist. We act like we're in all-out war mode the entire time, just fighting, 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 not really achieving a fucking thing. And Disney is helping with their fucking movies, what they put out sometimes. 
thankfully not all the Marvel movies, only a portion of those, but, you know, for how long? You know, I just... It's... It's... Um, the lack of interest in making individual quality movies instead of just making propaganda. And they're redoing this over and over again, trying to push the information down your throats. It's going to happen probably with Indiana Jones 5. It will happen with another Star Wars movie that we're going to see. And I cannot stand Star Wars anymore. I just had enough. Just really had enough. I just want to see the original films, then go to bed. And that's it. You know, the rest, you can shove them up my ass if I don't notice. It's fine. Leave them there. I'm going to shit them out some other time. All right? That's what I think about what Disney pulled off with their beloved stolen, bought, butchered franchise. It's a good tea, by the way, with nine different herbs. Um, uh, just to be, to be clear, um, I have no problem with the topic diversity. I have a problem with the topic of this version of diversity that Hollywood is trying to to give us to eat, okay, make us believe that. And if it's not that, it's some political movement in the background, like in Canada, okay. And we we all saw what happened there with the with the you know gen, with gender pronouns. I mean, that's just a question mark above my head where I think to myself, I want to take a gun and shoot myself. It's it's bullshit. I understand that people are different. That is okay. Maybe we should help them understand that being different is fine. We don't need a specific language for that, do we? Yeah, but it's other people, you know, some people think otherwise. And if you want to transcend this information and, and blend them into movies, music, well, that's a different story, but, you know, in, in movies, what exactly is this about? Of course some movies were political, Land of the Dead from George Romero was political. You know, it was about the Bush administration. And um, he did it in almost a subtle way in comparison to what other people do now with their movies. You know, and it's okay to hate the, the orange man. It's okay to wish him death and to execute him in a, in a very cheesy fashion in on TV and commercials and stuff like that. It's... That is supposed to be tolerated, you know, that's supposed to be fine. And if somebody says, look, um, making movies, for example, like this is going too far because you're butchering a franchise for no apparent reason except making money, and you wonder why this never succeeds, what? You know, put effort into these movies. If you want to make an all-female cast... It's okay, you can do that, but try your best to make it original. Try to try your best to make it believable and good. Give it quality and not just some forced humor that you're trying to punch into the audience. That's the problem with these movies. And besides, they don't they do not pay respect to the original. Uh, certainly, Ghostbusters 2016 was uh, the perfect example of that for um, disrespecting the source material and then creating something just for the sake of the brand and the merchandise and whatever, you know, just to butcher everything to make money. Because I guess Paul needed, needed the job to pay his male hookers. I have no idea what his problem is, okay? But what he did here was not a very artistic film. 
And thankfully, the majority of the people out there think the same. So this movie probably will not have a chance to see the light of day anytime soon or even create a sequel. It's just a movie that needs to be flushed down the toilet. And as far as I'm concerned, it already happened. And uh, I can't be kind about this. If this movie had any quality, any integrity, or even the style of the original in terms of humor and, you know, even retro tech or anything like that, then it, I would have given it a, sh- a chance to, to grow inside me, you know. But instead, it grew in my anus. And I just wanted, to, you know, to, to give it a pass as quick as possible. That's it. That's not, I'm not proud of it. What can I say? It's never going to be a gem and it's going to be forgotten in a couple of years, I suppose. Especially now that, you know, we have Afterlife and it looks very, very, very promising. Uh, we can expect at least some creative relief and satisfaction for all sorts of fans worldwide to finally see the original cast uh, coming back together at least one last time, maybe one last time. Uh, like I said, at the end of the film, as far as I know, and uh, I'm no, I don't know if it's true. I'm not sure if we actually uh, see them before that. Some sometime during the film, I don't know. It's it's. I was I, from what I can tell, from what I heard from from various sources on YouTube, is that nostalgia is very big in this film. It's fan service, pure fan service, and um, I can't wait to see it. I really want to see it, and uh, yeah, I miss Harold Ramis. Um. Like I said, um, I, for me personally, I think the movie is a Harold Ramis baby, even though the idea, the basic idea came from Dan Aykroyd. But without the help of, of Harold Ramis, this, we would have never seen Ghostbusters the way we have seen it now, or in 1984 at least, you know. So um, I pull my hat to this guy every time. Even though he's not there, I think of him very often. It's, he, he grew in my heart just for the way he was, very down-to-earth, and just... Um, he, he enjoyed making people laugh he enjoyed comedy as a whole the concept of comedy and what you could do with it you know the 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 creativity that inspires so many people this this energy that can be created not only to make people laugh but to put you in a different position just to pull you out of reality and give you a joke that you just cannot forget and with that joke combining a story perhaps creating something that you just don't see every day. And he succeeded many times. Absolutely. He's um, a slam dunk, this, this, this dude, you know. Uh, I think something's crawling here in my apartment again. I had mice in my apartment, you know. It's, it's not cool, man. I, I captured one uh, last year, and this time I had to unfortunately kill one didn't leave me much of a choice and right now I'm not sure what's running around here I hear things where sometimes I think I'm going insane living in isolation can do that to you (laughs) maybe I'm not of this sterner stuff that I wished for maybe I'm too soft who knows um yeah about the real Ghostbusters um, like I said in my previous podcast, um, I knew there was this movie. I knew Ghostbusters was big and that it was cool and that it was really hot and I wanted to see it so bad. 
And I had to wait a while until it was running on TV. And in that time, I already fell in love with the real Ghostbusters cartoon. That's actually how everything came to be. I saw the movie a little bit later, and I was amazed by the movie because of a different tone, and it was so, in parts very serious, and it had this very cool sense of humor. And um, the cartoon, however, gave it a completely uh, different spin, I would say. Um, the, the characters stay the same, but it, it all fleshed out a bit more. It became so much more lifelike through the cartoon. And um, I remember that I was begging for weeks and weeks and weeks to my parents to get me the Ecto-1 for, for Christmas. And they actually did that. They actually gave me the Ecto-1 because I was so hot and never wanted anything else. I had a few Ghostbusters at home from the, the, the Kenner toy line. The original, you know, the first, um, the first print, the first version. And I still love those figures today. I, I rebought them. I have the original that I rebought um, from eBay a while ago, and they're somewhere in my, you know, I don't have a glass case to show them. I build a shelf where I could probably put them all in, I guess. I rebought them when the uh, reissue hit, hit the shelves, when it was announced. I immediately ordered them. And I also, uh, from Diamond Select, in case you remember, um, the, the real Ghostbusters version that they did in Series 9, I think. Don't kill me on this subject. I'm not sure which, which series it was. I know that they had the license for the movies a long time and made these figures, and I've never bought them because I had from Mattel, you know, Matty Collectors, I had a few, I still have them. I have a, 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 quite a, a small bunch of these characters with Vigo and... Um, the other, you know, the, the Ghostbuster from and various versions of Part One and Two, and I, I settled with that. I didn't want to collect all of them because, frankly, I'm not that rich, guys. I cannot afford all these figures. But um, I did start with the NECA toys, in case someone even remembers. Um, I have to lie here. I'm not quite sure when they were made. Um, that was before I was married. Um, I know that the NECA had the license to produce action figures, collectible items, based on uh, the, the first movie. And because of uh, disagreement, as far as I know, I think it was even Bill Murray's fault, they could not continue with series two because the second series was supposed to be about the four guys. And because of his likeness with the character, you know, the copyright issues, I think he declined the usage for his Dr. Venkman for the figures. I think it began there. And NECA lost uh, that license deal. They, they terminated their production. So the only thing that was produced was the first series, which is um, the Marshmallow Man, their interpretation of a gigantic Marshmallow Man, very evil looking. I have that one <laughs> standing behind me. Um, a beautiful piece. I like it. And uh, it's different from, uh, you know, from, from the movie version. This is a, their own interpretation from the artist who made that. But I still love it. It's, it's a beautiful incarnation of, of the, the original Marshmallow Man. And um, I had, or I still have, somewhere flying around Gozer. Gozer the Gazeria. And um, Slimer, of course. And... 
the terror dogs, both of them with the LED eyes, when you, when they, they have this, this short, uh, like dog tail in the back, right? And if you press on that tail, if you press the tail down, uh, they have a small button battery somewhere in, in their body hidden, which you can screw out, of course, and, and then the eyes start glowing. Uh, and it's a nice feature, and I still have those terror dogs, and I'm, I'm not going to sell them. I, I love these things. And um, they are beautifully crafted. They, in my opinion, look just like the ones from the movie. And um, I think that's all. They made Slimer, the, the Marshmallow Man, and the, and the terror dogs, and Gozer. These were the only figures that NECA made in the first wave, and they had to stop, like I said. They couldn't continue. Mm. If you look for these figures now, they're fucking expensive. You know, if I, if I didn't carry them more, I could sell them and make some money, but uh, no, I can't. Besides, if something bad happened while I moved down into this new apartment um, of, over a year ago, um, I accidentally dropped Slimer and the arm broke off. And I was thinking to myself, should I rebuy this, this figure? Because I'm not sure if I can repair it. I don't want to glue it back on, you know, just because it's going to be stiff and it can't be moved. The joint is broken. So I wanted to reattach the joint somehow and make the, the, the figure at least movable again. And, you know, I can, I can set the figure in some kind of action and move the arms and stuff like that. I was really sad and, 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 and disappointed at that day when that happened. Uh, I am clumsy, but something like this doesn't happen very often, thankfully, and I, I felt a bit bitter, you know, just one collectible item, and just all the money that you put into this shit, right, just to have fun, it's really, really cool and sad at the same time, like diehard nerds, we're never going to be adults, we're never going to grow up, and why should we, who gives a fuck, right, you want to have fun, then go all the way, and, um, what else broke? Oh yeah, I have the the um, the Ertl metal diecast model of the Ecto One, which is also quite expensive these days. Um, I think at least um, my ex-wife gave it to me many years ago, and the um, the, the driver door or the, um, the the first driver door, or the second one broke off. I don't really know because I don't want to pull it out on out of its package. I have the original box. And I put the car back in for, for moving. And I had it before that in a shelf in, in, the, in a glass case. And I opened it up and I pulled the car out. And I thought, well, how is my car doing? You know, I'm dusting it off a little bit. Then opening the doors. And while I was opening the doors, one hinge snapped and the door was landing in my hand. And I thought, you have to be fucking kidding me. How the F did that happen? So either this is really cheap metal or I have no idea. Maybe I should buy something in plastic instead. Because I'm going to get myself a new Ecto-1 at some point. A different one. Maybe, I don't know. There are so many cool models out there in the meantime. So many have been produced. So, you know, anything the nerd wants, he can find. And um, I have the Lego version as well. There is a bigger Lego version with, you know, a, a gigantic Ecto-1 that is a bit rusty from the Afterlife version. I have two of them. And I have, um, I also have a second batch of the entire Diamond Select real Ghostbusters wave that they created with uh, 
you know, they, they look just like the cartoons of these guys. Really, really cool. And I've never opened them. The first batch is standing on one of my shelves over the uh, silver screen here. And uh, with that, also some other Mattel toys, the one with, uh, with a, you know, the, the, the Barbie edition, you could say. And they're not really Barbie, but Mattel brought out a version, I think, 15 years ago. Somewhere around that time, I think 15 years, where um, Mattel redesigned the real Ghostbusters again and made, gave them uh, cloth material as uniforms, the, 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 the jumpsuit, you know, different kind of weapon design, but the face is very close to the, the cartoon version and was just like an anniversary edition and they got sold out very quickly. And I got all four figures um, really fast from some woman who sold them on eBay when back then it wasn't so expensive to actually do that and ship them to, to Europe, you know. So I imported that stuff, and the woman did an incredible job of packaging. Uh, nothing happened to those figures, and I'm very happy to have them in my collection. Um, what I don't have anymore are the real Ghostbusters toys, the ghosts themselves. I have the ghosts from the Ghostbusters that came in the blister package for every character, you know. Um, you know, Egon had his own, I think the Egon had this yellow ghost um, over his head that you could, you know, st st just stick up there. Uh, I think Peter Venkman had this this ghost with the beak or something. Or maybe other way around, maybe, maybe that was Winston. I don't really, I don't remember which ghost went to, to whom, really. There was also a blue ghost, I think, with his funny tail and all that. It was... From a creative standpoint, I think all the creators had a lot of fun designing these things. What I did have as a kid, um, while we're talking about Ghostbusters, is the the um, the the second wave of the toy line with the original four Ghostbusters was with these fright action, the fright features, when you could you know press an arm down. Um, a mechanic would start moving in the body and then the eyes would start popping out by, from Peter Venkman, for example. His, his, his hair would go up, the eyes would pop out, mouth open, you know, for being super scared of, of ghosts and all that. And I don't have that figure anymore. I think I sold it. After a while, I, when I got older, I didn't want to have all these, these toys anymore. And then when I, when I even got a little bit more older and I moved to my 30s, I thought to myself, for fuck's sake, I need these toys back. So I went on eBay and bought quite a bunch of them. And what else did I have? I had these ghost traps, not the, I'm sorry, not the, uh, not to be mistaken with the actual equipment, the ghost traps from the Ghostbusters themselves, but they had like these, these gigantic teeth ghosts with eyes. The, the only thing they had were quite like, like alligator-shaped heads, which you could just open. Underneath their, their jaw were four feet or paws, whatever, you know. And you could, um, you could just open, open the heads completely open, uh, just open a mouth way back, 180 degrees almost, until they, they snap into position. And the tongue would be the trigger. And if you press it, there is a there's a sling somewhere inside, or um, I, I'm forgetting the English word here. I'm sorry. You know exactly what I mean. 
I'm just, um, ah, for fuck's sake, I can't, I'm sorry, my, my English is not always perfect, but you, you, you get what I'm talking about. It would just snap right back into position and close its mouth and you could, you know, pretend that like Egon Spengler or Peter Venkman just stepped inside the trap. And I like these things for the teeth and the way it was designed. They had tiny little ears behind those eyes. It was really cool. I had those too. Um, I think they were sold as a pair. An, an orange one and I think a purple one. And I had the bug eye. The one that was hollow where you just, you know, you had an eye that was connected to to a rope, a green rope, I think. And you could just uh, punch the the ghost from above, squeeze the body, and the pressure was such that the eye would just pop out like a projectile in front of you and just, you know, s just snap away those Ghostbusters and knock them over. That was a cool toy and it was very well designed. I love that thing. It was also drawn, I think, in very, very early incarnations of Ghostbusters cartoons that were released in Germany. And I'm not quite sure uh, what the publisher was or who these guys were and who designed them. I don't think it was a German artist. I think it was somewhere from outside of, of Germany, possibly outside of Europe. I'm, I don't know, really. I never had that many comics. They didn't hold up very long. They were made of cheap paper and started breaking apart really fast. But I do remember having fun with those because they stuck very close to the toy line in order to get probably the sales a bit higher in Germany. So that's a plus, I think. <laughs> what I did not have is anything like, you know, the uniform or um, their version of the cartoon proton packs and stuff like that, weaponry of, of all sorts. I never had anything of that. Even though it was cool, I'd like to have that, but no. No, it was never in my possession. I had the Firehouse. I had the Ecto-1, like I mentioned. Um, I had Winston. I had Egon. Egon was my favorite back then. Um, Peter Venkman I bought later, as well as Ray Stans. A friend of mine had Peter and Ray, and we actually we, we hung out in Canada very, very often and played late at night with those figures, you know, and brought all the ghosts and all that, and... Sometimes if my mom was paying attention, she would buy from a toy store somewhere out there um, a new ghost that wasn't too expensive and just bring it back, like Granny Ghost, in case you remember that one, where you can, I think, pull her head up and the entire jaw would open right down to the legs and reveal a gigantic mouth and a snout and all that it would probably eat you alive. I think I have Granny Ghost even in its original blister package somewhere flying around. Um, also a cool thing to have in your collection if you like this kind of stuff. I have Janine too. Um, but that's also a figure I bought many years later. Oh, it's getting late, guys. I'm talking way too much. Mm. After this cup of tea, I do feel a little bit better. Don't know why. Maybe it's because of you guys because I'm talking to you. You can listen to my shit. What else did I have? I had the Marshmallow Man. That's true. I had that one. I had Slimer. I had multiple Slimers, really. I think I broke one. And um, what else? What? Else? Let me think. Some other ghosts? I don't know. I think I, think I had the Ecto-2. 
if I'm not mistaken, it was that Ecto Chopper that they introduced in, in, in the cartoon, which was a great idea. And uh, I do remember having that in Canada, playing around with it. And I think I, I don't know what happened to it, but I think I sold it on a flea market when I got older. When I got older. I should have kept it. I should have kept it? Is that even a sentence? Is that correct? I don't think so. <laughs> um, yeah, the mistakes you do sometimes. You know, you just start growing up and you think, oh, I have to get rid of all this stuff. And then you're started to be interested in girls and all that. And suddenly you realize, you know, breasts are nice, but these toys, man, Jesus Christ, I could have the time of my life with them. <laughs> you start ditching uh, some girls here and there. Well, uh, well, come to think of it, I think, I don't think I had many more toys. I think most of the toys I had, I just told you, at least when it comes to Ghostbusters anyway. I'm thinking if I had another, yeah, I did, I did, I did, I did. Oh, I, I, it was the water ghost, the one with the two heads. That was a, that was a cool toy. I like that one. I even went into the bathtub with this thing. <laughs> Um, it was a blue ghost. It, you could stack them together like a babushka, you know, like um, these these Russian puzzle dolls, but not in the sense that you could really encapsulate another doll inside itself, and you know, like a shell. It was just like two heads or two ghosts snapping into each other and or being stuck to each other. One being being the head that had some sort of fingers underneath, it looked like it at least anyway, and the, the ghost underneath those, those fingers, the one that was hiding at another eye. And both of them could be, you know, could pick up water, and you could just spray them somehow, shoot them at, at characters or to yourself if you want to. I think the blue one on top could, could, um, could release water through the nose, the other one through, through its eye or something like that. I'd like to have those again. I miss those. I think they broke over the years. I think the rubber became kind of, you know, kind of kaput. So I had to throw them away. Um, but I think also design-wise, that was a really cool toy. Because you didn't really need much. It was just a goofy, rubbery-looking thing. Some water. And it just worked. You know, design was great. They, they really knew what they were doing back then. I really envy these toys. And... Uh, that's, I think, where it all stops. I don't think I have, I, I had more. You had larger uh, ghosts too, with with an ectoplasmic tank somewhere built in, where you, you know you had the slime, uh, quite toxic slime, really. Some some children were you know eating that stuff and digesting it, and they went to a hospital. They <laughs> they couldn't take it, and you shouldn't, really. Um, funny enough, it wasn't sold uh, very successfully in Germany. That stuff, they tried not to sell it at all. I think. I don't remember any stores having that ectoplasma. And um, in, in Canada, you had that stuff everywhere, just like in America. It was sold like hotcakes. And I remember that there was a very big ghost, uh, a heavy plastic one with wings that would, um, you know, shoot or release ectoplasma and slime out of its mouth. The other one was a very gooey-looking orange ghost, also quite big, 
you could press a button and then slime would come out of its mouth and nose or something like that and look really disgusting. That was a very cool design. I think it had arms too. I don't remember really. Uh, but if you do, you know exactly what kind of ghost I mean. I wish I had those. I looked at the pictures so many times at the back of these cardboard uh, packagings, you know, behind the blister. When you had these advertisements for, for other products, it just... I, it was mind-blowing to me that they would actually do stuff like that. You know, it was, it was so cool. It was so amazing and too expensive. <laughs> so my parents couldn't buy everything. And they, they didn't like the slime stuff. So uh, they made a pass on that. I think I had a bucket of slime, a tiny one that was sold separately. I had that and played with it a little bit until the slime sort of, you know, dried up or became a completely different material and it starts stinking really bad. So... I threw that away, but it was it was a cool experience. They did what they could to uh, get the poor parents to pay more and more and more just to make us happy. Hmm. Cool times, I tell you. And uh, okay, I think I went through all the toys that I actually had, and that was enough, you know. For for me, I didn't expect much. I, I, of course, I expected something. I was really in love with this Ghostbusters universe. And um, I think from a production point of view, they were mostly cheap enough to be purchased by by parents who were a bit maybe tight on the budget. And Ghostbusters was very famous, very popular and successful. So I can understand why a lot of people bought these figures instead uh, compared to Transformers, because the next really big competitor back then was the Transformers. Uh, some people claim it was Masters of the Universe. I totally disagree, because when Ghostbusters was kind of uh, popular and became more popular, the um, He-Man died very quickly. Not because of the Ghostbusters' success, but because um, the market was full. They overproduced everything with so many different variations of fighting uh, characters with these, you know, gigantic bodies and everything. And don't get me wrong, I like those figures. They're really cool. I like He-Man a lot. But um, I think they, they sl I think the idea that He-Man was popular didn't hold up long enough. It, there is a gigantic cult following behind He-Man. I understand that. Believe me, I do. And for all the right reasons. And... Um, when that toy production started, it fell. It rose really high to the top, where it was the most, the hottest item on the market for toys, anyway. And then immediately afterwards, it just went down. And so many different products came along. You had Transformers. You had GI Joe was very successful all the time. They had their ups and downs, but it was, of course, um, that was a toy line that was really hard to defeat. You know, having Cobra Commander and all those guys. I mean, um, I had, I think, Destro as a, as, as a kid. I had Destro. I love Destro because of the, the fucking helmet. <laughs> it's just really cool. And that guy had the right attitude, you know, showing like his chest a little bit, revealing the chest muscles and having that fucking coat on. That guy was badass. I loved him. And Cobra Commander was cool, but he sounded too crazy for me. He was also a bit spooky, actually, as a kid. But, you know, I liked the, um, when it comes to G.I. Joe, I liked Cobra a lot more than I liked the uh, the American heroes. 
because I could relate to evil more in most cases. I just love evil things. That's why I like Jason Voorhees. You know, he's like my hero. And with Ghostbusters, I do make an exception because these guys, I loved them from the start. They were just exactly what I liked about everything. They were cool. They were funny. They were scientists. They were intelligent. They were scared. They were the normal dudes from down the hall, you know, from, from the Bronx, if you will, or wherever they came from. Brooklyn. And um, it was more relatable to me personally for having, you know, just being, acting like a normal guy, but carrying all that knowledge about the paranormal and just using that to fight evil was somehow much more pleasing to watch, much more fun and um, realistic at, at some point for me. Not because of the paranormal, uh, not really. We could talk about that kind of stuff at a different time, but it was much easier for me to relate to because these people were not unrealistically created or designed. They were normal people having a set of skills and knowledge. That's it, basically. That's what these guys were. And they were good friends. And I think the formula of the cartoon made it very clear that these guys, that this this concept just works perfectly and that you can identify yourself with these characters much more easier in comparison to, let's say, an overpowered guy with you know, t tons of muscle and all that, and he has to fight a guy with a skeleton face. Of course it's cool, I did like it, but could I relate to those characters? No. To be honest, no. I could relate to G.I. Joe a bit more, and I have to say I did relate to Transformers quite a lot. Because these robots were, were they were told from a perspective of humans. And they were acting like humans in their own in their own way. Um, I think that's why they were relatable. You know, you can't just create robots that talk like robots that talk completely alien and be super super different. Uh, you would scare away a lot of kids with that. Not because they were really scared, but because they lose interest really fast because they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. But if they behave like humans, you know, you think, man, these guys are cool. They're robots, but they're just like me. So yeah, the, the formula works, right? I think that's, um, that was a cool trick and they pulled it off. But in comparison to Transformers, I think Ghostbusters was more cheap in, in terms of you know production value for, for companies producing the toys. Try to come up with a Transformer that can change, it, change its, its shape, become a weapon, become a car, a plane, and then back into a robot. And without losing the coolness and be playable for a long time before the hinges break, okay? That's not easy to do. So I pull my hat to anybody who created these interesting toys, even though some looked really embarrassing, like Ironhide. If you remember that character, I like him from the cartoon, but the toy was a disaster. Fucking hated that thing. It was, I think, too hard for them to actually create a bus that was transformable into a robot and then back again to make it look like a transformer. It looked like the van that we saw in the cartoon, but the robot looked completely different. It had no legs as far as I remember. It looked like it had a gigantic ass with, with a windshield and stuff like that. It was not really nicely done. It, I didn't like it. Same goes for Megatron. Megatron didn't look very cool as a robot when it was transformed. I think it had... The trigger, you know, as, as like a penis. 
you know, where the hip is supposed to be, there was the trigger of the gun. They didn't know what else to do to, to hide all those, those, those body parts from, from the gun transformation mode and make it somehow believable as a robot. That's, of course, not easy. It's a difficult task. And um, I still think that um, they did a good job, but the, the toys, as far as I remember, were quite expensive, especially the bigger ones, or when you had to buy these, you know, multiple Transformers to combine them into a larger Transformer, like uh, uh, Bruticus, for example, the, the Constructicons. Um, what else? I'm forgetting one. Mm, I forgot so many names over the years. I can't really remember everything. Um, yeah, well, never mind. You probably know more about that stuff than I do. But, um, yeah, I'm still a diehard, a total, totally in love with the Transformers world. I think the Transformers, the movie from 1986, is one of the best animated feature films I've ever seen and remains to this day one of those gems that I hold dearly in my heart. But like I said, number one in that line will always be Ghostbusters for me. That's just, that's my home. That's where I like to be. That's where I like to, to see myself. And depending on my mood, I jump between fantasizing about the Ghostbusters or Star Trek. Yeah, that's also a weakness of mine. You know, Kirk and Picard, the original. Mm, yeah, I like to be there too. But that's a different story. It's not all about that. I want to. I don't want to jump from franchise to franchise and you know fuck you guys up all the time. That's not really my point. But um, what I want to say at the end, because I'd like to stop the podcast here. Um, I think one hour recording is m mostly enough. I am still very happy that after all these years, we're getting something. Something that concludes maybe older storylines that we can get back to, like Gozer and, and stuff like that. Presumably, I'm not saying that I know, it's just an assumption of mine. But um, overall, I'm really excited. I think this is probably the most important film for me after all these years. I have to see it for nostalgic reasons and because of, you know, absolute fan of Harold Ramis. And... Um, Whatever happens next, if we're lucky and not, you know, the, the feminist side doesn't explode from anger, we might see part two, you know, where uh, the kids, you know, become a bit older and then become real, uh, more independent Ghostbusters, where possibly Dan Aykroyd and, you know, uh, Ernie Hudson might reprise their roles just to give assistance or be in, in a lab or something. You know, it, that would be actually cool because if, if the guys get older and still find a purpose to be the mentors of, of these kids and give a helping hand with their knowledge and what they experience in all these years, it would be cool to see them somewhere still in the background, you know, pulling this, not pulling the strings maybe, but being in the lab and passing on knowledge and all that stuff. That's just, um, that would be cool to see that in a sequel from, from Afterlife. I wouldn't like to see these characters just get blown away completely. I just, I mean, they're old. Yeah, I get that. I mean, look at Ernie Hudson. He's over 70, right? 71 or something. But the guy looks awesome. He looks like he's 55. How does he do it? 
Where did he get his genes from? Give me some. You know? I mean, I look good for my age. I'm, at least I think. And <laughs> I don't feel good for my age, but <laughs> I, I think I look good. But when I'm 70, I'm not going to look like him. For sure not. I mean, this guy, fucking A. I hope he lives long, healthy, and successful. Because that's really cool. Seeing him at this age, looking that good, is, uh, brings joy into my heart. You know, that's just, it's, he's, he's doing it right. I'm not sure what he's doing, but he's doing it right. Uh, Dan Eckert still looks kind of, uh, kind of good. He's a little bit overweight, but that's that's about it. He still looks healthy enough. Bill Murray looks the oldest of them all, unfortunately, because I love Bill. But you know, I, of course, I wish him that he stays healthy and you know maybe becomes 110. I wish him all the best. Really, I, he's he's one of my favorite actors. He's he's just a person that I really have trouble figuring out what kind of a man he is. He's, he's, he seems like he's crazy, but <laughs> maybe crazy in a good way and not so much the negative way. You know, he's, um, I think he's, a, he's, an, he's an original, absolutely original. He says what he thinks sometimes, and if he, if he has moods where he just disappears and nobody knows where he is, you know. And, um, but he's very careful when he chooses what movie to make and which movie maybe to pass. Some of these ideas were maybe a bit, uh, a little, little less successful, but even you know it doesn't have to be a multi-million-dollar project. It can be something else, something that just makes him happy, and that's fine. You know, be yourself, be an artist, do whatever you want. And if he is very careful selecting these jobs, and you know, he gets tons of scripts. This guy, everybody wants to work with Bill. Or make a movie with Bill, because they just work, you know. He's just uh, so much fun to watch in movies. And it's uh, it's a delight to know that he's back as Peter Venkman once again after all these years. Not just a cameo, where, you know, a cameo, sorry. You pronounce it cameo, right? Where he just pops up somewhere and does silly things and... Everybody shakes their head and goes, yeah, 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 fine, fine, fine. No, I don't want that. He's not Stan Lee who just pops up as a joke in one of these Marvel films. This guy is the Dr. Venkman. You know, he has to be there. He has to do something, even if it's just a short amount of time because passing the torch, as we said. But you can't do a movie like that without good old Bill. It's just not, it's not right. It doesn't feel right. So I'm really glad that he's in here and uh, saying giving green light to Jason Reitman for doing this film. And overall, he's, from what I understand, very pleased with the result. So that's cool, you know. That's that's really cool. It gives me hope that this franchise can get what it deserves. Not only a second chance from the 2016 fuck-up that we got, but at least a chance to thrive again and just pull in new audiences and stay... Uh, just stay true to the formula and to to the style of, of these movies. You know, just really making a movie for the sake of making movies, not for the sake of agenda, not for the sake of you know. It has to be always about money, nothing else but money, 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 money. That's it. Just bring in cash. That's where these crappy movies come from, really. And. I think Ivan Reitman raised a great son. I have lots of respect for Jason Reitman. I did not expect anything like this to happen. But um, after all the information I sucked up over the years, I'm really, really, really positively uh, surprised. 
I don't think this movie will be a letdown. I don't know everything about the movie. I don't want to spoil everything. I know most of the stuff from the trailers and what some interviews revealed. And that's enough for me. I know I am excited like crazy. And I want to see this like a little boy and start crying at the end of the film because of one of my biggest heroes. Ah, it's just... Sometimes it's good to be alive. Sometimes. Not always, but sometimes. I'm very pessimistic. You have to get used to that. I'll, uh, I'll take a break. I have to get back to my studies, I think. Or to another drawing. I don't I can't do th- both at the same time. Ah. Yeah. So much to my vacation. I've been working every day. Well, working for the greater good, I, I hope. Let, let's just um, let's just end it with this second supplemental Ghostbusters podcast. I might be back with something more like my favorite uh, Real Ghostbusters episodes and dive into those, but I'm not sure when I'm going to do that because the next few days are going to be quite harsh work-wise for me. I can't be here even though I'd like to, and I'd like to reach out to you guys and get to know you, you know, talk to you if that's possible. Uh, you can find me on Twitter too if you can, in case you want to you leave a message or something. You just, you just look for Dean Laxer and you'll find me. Um... But you don't have to. I'm not forcing you to. I'm just just asking. Um, yeah, that's about it, I guess. That was my day so far. Right now, while I'm recording, it's uh, almost 9 p.m. European time. Central European time, I think. And um, it's time for me to get back to work or do something productive. And I wish you... A pleasant weekend. I hope you're having a fun Halloween. I hope you're just as excited as I am for the new Ghostbusters film. And I hope you can forgive the 2016 fuck-up and misfit that we, we, we get, you know, after somebody gave birth and the sloppy shit comes out, that's the movie. I just I have to be... I have to be harsh here, I'm sorry. It's just... I really try to get my head sometimes around... What some people are thinking, it, it, it's beyond me. Anyways, um, I hope you you stay healthy, take care of yourselves, have fun in life, enjoy everything that you do. Maybe you're following a, a, a creative career like, like I do. At least I'm trying still. I'm still struggling with this kind of stuff. Um, if you do, my hat is off. And if you even do a labor job like I do as a day job, my hat is off just the same because I know how hard it is, believe me. Um, well, that's it. Um, stay healthy. Be cool, yeah. Um, have a drink with me one day. And I hope to see you soon or hear you soon in the next podcast. Bye-bye and have fun.